Looking at Romans chapter 5, it's a very short passage. It's only got six verses in the section that we're looking at. It's all about Easter. And I want to look at it in two halves this morning. First, firstly, I want to look at the first half, which I'm calling then. Romans chapter 5, and we'll just read from verse 6 to verse 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now this passage is written after Jesus' death, and it is talking about the terrible events that we've just been singing about and that were read for us, the death of Jesus. But strangely, it's talking about the timing of those events. In verse 6 there, it said Jesus' death was just at the right time. And the right time Romans is talking about, it's not talking about whether it's a five-day weekend or whether the you know Easter Friday falls near Anzac Day and so on. It's talking about the right time was when we were still powerless. The point is this. God did not wait for us to take the first step towards him before he rescued us. No. He took the first step while we were powerless, before we did anything or could even do anything. That is when God sent Jesus to rescue us, when we were still powerless. That's not the only word used to describe us and the timing of Jesus' death. In verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were ungodly. Now, for those of you who've been here the last couple of weeks at church, we've been working our way through Romans up to chapter 5 here. And in chapter 1 of Romans, it said that we as a human race reject God as our creator, we ignore the truth about him, we abandon him and we go and worship and serve other things that are created. We live our lives without God, we ignore him. We are, in other words, ungodly. And the point here is is again similar. Jesus did not die for beautiful people. Jesus didn't die for perfect people. Jesus died for us when we were powerless Jesus died for us when we were ungodly. And just in case we don't get the point yet, we find another ugly word to describe ourselves in verse 8. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. We come to Jesus just as we are, full of sin, full of our failures and wrongs. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. See, we don't need to fix ourselves up before God will accept us. It is Jesus who fixes us up. In in fact, down in verse 10, it's got another word to describe us, and that is God's enemies. Now, we've just been reading about some of Jesus' enemies, haven't we? Judas, who betrayed Jesus. The Jewish leaders who mocked him. The crowd who was yelling for his crucifixion. The soldiers who hit him and spat on him. It's obvi- it's very obvious that those people were Jesus' enemies, but that's not what the passage is talking about here. 
This passage is talking about us. Look at verse 10. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. See, Jesus died for us when we were God's enemies. Giving your life for someone is an incredible thing to do. It doesn't happen a lot. Sometimes it happens. Every now and then we hear a story of someone who gives their life for someone else, like a husband who might give his life for his wife, or a fireman who might give his life to save a child. And it's a great thing when it does happen. Tragic, but it's the ultimate act of love. And in these verses, um, Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is trying to describe Jesus' giving of his life for us with perhaps an example of human beings giving their life, but he's kind of lost for words. It doesn't really work. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. See, sometimes someone might give our life for another person, someone who you can see good in or your spouse or your friend. But here, verse 8, there's a big but. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When Jesus hung on the cross, he gave his life for people who hated him. And that brings us to the main point of the passage that we're looking at this morning. It's this. If that is how God treats his enemies, if, if that is how God treats his enemies, he gives his son to die for them, imagine how he will treat his friends. See, Jesus gave his life for people who hated him. If that is how God treats his enemies, imagine how he will treat his friends. And that's what the second half of the passage speaks about. It skips forward to now, to today. And it's talking to people who have been rescued by Jesus. Most of us here this morning are no longer God's enemies. Most of us have been made God's friends. Not because of anything we've done, of course, but because of what Jesus has done for us. We are people, verse 9, who have been justified by Jesus' blood. Justified means to be declared right by God, just as if I'd never done it. We were sinners, but for those people who trust in Jesus, it is just as if we'd never sinned. We're justified. And verse 10, we are reconciled to God. That's another long word, but reconciled simply means someone who was an enemy being made a friend. We were God's enemies. We were cut off from God, but through Jesus' death, we've been reconciled. We are now God's friends. And the whole point of this then and now comparison is this. Then, before we were rescued, when we were ungodly and we were sinners and we were God's enemies... How does God treat people like that? He loves them. He died for them. If that is how God treats his enemies, how will he treat us now that we're his friends, now that he's rescued us? And that's what verse 9 and 10 is about. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if... When we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life?
Now, I am not a golfer, but last year, uh, someone from Sydney, a friend of mine came down and he wanted to have a game of golf at the Dubbo Golf Club. Now, I'm not a member of the Dubbo Golf Club. I don't know how these things work, but I just walked down and they were very nice to me. I walked into the um, pro shop, they call it. The guy was there. He welcomed me. He asked if I wanted a game of golf. He hired me a buggy. He hired me some clubs, uh, a few balls. I needed lots of them. And they, they let me play golf, even though I wasn't a member. Now, if they are that nice to non-members, imagine how they're going to treat their members. Do you think if I joined up and became a member of the golf club that they'd let me play golf? Of course they would, and more. That's the kind of feel here. Look at Jesus hanging on the cross, crucified, giving up his life as a sacrifice. If that is what God does for his enemies, if that is what God does for sinners, for people who do not love him, imagine how he will treat you now that you've been made right with him, now that you're part of his family. And so Easter Friday is not just a reminder of Jesus' death and all he went through. It is a reminder that God loves his people. That for people who are part of God's family, their future is secure. We have peace with God. We have hope for the future. As followers of Jesus, we can have every confidence, not just in life, but in death. But maybe you're here this morning and you are still in the then category. Maybe you haven't yet asked Jesus to forgive you. Maybe you are still God's enemy, not friends with him yet. Well, God's offer of forgiveness is still open to you. What does God do for his enemies? He loves them. He sent his son to die for them. And through the death of Jesus, you can go from being his enemy to being his friend. You can be washed clean. There was an article in the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday. The heading was, Minimising the Guilt of Easter Eggs. It was all about fair trade Easter eggs. This year Cadbury's selling fair trade Easter eggs. They don't use child labour to make them. You can eat the Easter eggs and not feel guilty. Look, I don't feel guilty about Easter eggs anyway, so I'm going to be real happy this Easter. But Easter is more than just minimising the guilt of eating Easter eggs. Easter is about getting rid of all your guilt for everything you've done wrong. It's about having a fresh start. And to do that, you need to ask God to forgive you. Put your trust in Jesus. And then you too will be friends with God. That's what Easter's about. Let's pray and then we're going to sing how deep the Father's love for us. Father, for a God who loves even your enemies. And Father, thank you that although we have distanced ourselves from you and we have turned our backs on you, you did not turn your back on us. And thank you that you sent Jesus to die, not for beautiful people, but for people who were your enemies. And Father, thank you that through Jesus' death we can be made right with you. And for people here this morning who are still your enemies, we pray that this Easter they might come to you and become your friends. For the rest of us, Father, thank you that you've washed us clean, not through anything we've done, but through Jesus' death. And thank you for the confidence that we can have that if that's how you treat your enemies, how precious we must be to you now that we're your children. 
Father, thank you for how deep your love is for us. And thank you that we see it clearly in Jesus' death. Amen.